Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He didn't know how come the Bible was better than other religious books. He couldn't answer how come, you know, how could I believe Jesus for sure? And not, he, he couldn't answer any of that. All he knew was Jesus died on the cross. Give me your sins so you don't go to hell. <laughs> and that, that did it. I'm saved. It worked. I'm here now. So don't let don't let it be an excuse in your heart like, I don't know enough. I don't want to say something. Say something. Stir it up. The best thing you can do is get hit with a question you don't know because it only happens once. Every time you get hit with something you don't know, what you do, what you say is, I don't know. You go back to what you do know. Throughout the Bible, Christians are called to evangelize. Evangelize is just a fancy word that means sharing about God with others. But oftentimes, we don't feel adequate. We don't feel like we could possibly know enough to bring someone to Christ. And while that may be true, it doesn't matter. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that if you are saved, that's all you need to bring someone to Christ. The little that you know about God is a lot to someone who doesn't know anything yet. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We finished 2 Timothy chapter 3, and for you guys that were here, it was uh, just a, it was all about the Word of God, and we were just learning what the Word of God was and what it's for, and it's, it's profitable, it's, it's all inspired, it's profitable to the believer, um, it's, it's helpful, it's, it's to convince, to rebuke, to it, all these different things that the, that the Word of God does and, and how it's to be used, and I told you guys I wanted to go right into chapter 4, because he just basically said the Word of God is this, is for that, is for this, is for that, all these different things. And then right in chapter four, he tells Timothy what to do with it. But um, I didn't want to keep you all for two hours, so we stopped. So uh, we'll pick up today at chapter four. And just I just want to bring it together because we had he just went all in the detail about the purpose of the word of God, how it's all inspired, all comes from God, how it's all profitable and beneficial for the believer, you know, for doctrine, teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly com- and completely equipped for every good work. He just gave us all the purposes, all these things that it's for. And then the very next verse, chapter four, verse one says, Paul, again, speaking to Timothy, he says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And so I want to go back from that point. First, Paul says, after he's given them all this information about the word of God, he says, what I want you to do with it. He says, I charge you. So I want to point that out. Paul's not saying, Timothy, I'm I'm, I'm encouraging you lightly. Um, I'm suggesting to you when he says, I charge you, it's like a, if, if you will, in the, in the military, it's like your commanding officer giving you a, a dictate. This is where you this is where you're to go. It's not asking him. It's a command. He said, I charge you now that you have this information, now that you're that you have this wealth of information. I charge you. You have a responsibility what you do with it. What's that mean for you and me? Because we're here. Maybe everybody everybody here is not a pastor. So you can read this. And say, well, that, that's what Timothy ought to do. Pastor Timothy. But what about you? What about me? The same is true for you and me. The Bible says to whom much is given, what? Much will be required, right? If, if God's given you a lot of information, a lot of insight, and God's poured into you his word, God says, I didn't do it for nothing. 
I didn't just give you all that so you could you just sit with it. How would you guys feel about this? Say that there was someone that was having some kind of a medical condition and they were they, they fell out. They were choking. They were losing air. And there's someone there that's professionally trained. You know, they went to medical school there. They had CPR, whatever. They're professionally trained to be able to help this person survive that moment. But they just watched. How do you feel about that person? I mean, they went to school for this. You know, they may be a, you know, however you get trained for that. They got CPR training. They, they know what to do. They can do the Heimlich. They can breathe. They can do all these things to preserve the life. But they just kind of watch. How do you feel about that person? That's messed up. Like, why would you why wouldn't you step up? What, 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 what prevented you from from stepping in and saving them, helping them? Um, we would be frustrated with that person. And so the same is true with regard to us in the spiritual realm. God has said, man, I've, I've, I've put this truth of the gospel. I've, I've poured it into you guys. You guys know who I am. You live in a world where most people, they don't know who I am. They don't know who I am. They don't know me. They don't know where I'm. They don't know that I'm coming back again. They don't know that I died to save them. They don't know that they're going to hell without me. They don't. They really don't know. But, you know, you've been educated. You go to church every Sunday. It's been poured into you. You know, it beyond the shadow of a doubt. And so when we see people and we get to interact with people that they don't know yet, I believe the same thing for us. Charge, you got to say something. You got to just just say something. You know, you want to just just I mean, we can't. You know, everybody may not want to hear you out. You might, but, but you got to do something. At least try. Um, we, we went out the other day, and it was an India restaurant. And Jazz is preparing to go on a mission trip to India. And so when my, they were like, oh, let's just go get India. Let's go to Indian food. So we went there, and all the people that work there, they're Hindu. And so, you know, we're trying to talk with them. And I'm, I'm like, hey, give her. It's, it's authentic. So I'm saying, she's going to go, so tell her about it. And they're giving her all the info about the food and stuff like that. And... I'm sitting there thinking, like, how do we start a conversation where, like, they're Hindu? All their religion is all around the room. The girls are looking at their elephants and all these symbols of their beliefs. We, we looked at a video at the table. I was showing how in India they worship rats at some places. Like, it, they, they got crazy stuff that they believe in. When you don't believe in the true and living God, you're going to believe in something. And so it's like, so what do you say to them? Um, and I did. I sat there the whole time, and I didn't really have a whole lot to say, you know, just kind of small talk. And then we got to the register and we're on our way out, and I'm just like, man, you gotta say something. I was like, they, they, I didn't, we didn't say nothing, you know. And we got to the, the, the right to the register, and I just, I just threw out a question. I'm like, hey, so, um, ask them, ask them something. Do they believe in the Bible? Do they believe in God? He was like, no, I'm Hindu. I said, okay, what, what is Hindu? What do you guys believe happens when you die? And he opened up this little dialogue and listened to him say what they thought real quick, and then I had like a little window to tell them, well, this is what the Bible says, real quick. Leave them with that. It was something, right? I couldn't, he was at work. We couldn't have no long, drawn-out dialogue. I couldn't whip out my Bible and start going, but it was like, hey, food for thought. That's what you said you believe. Um, this is what the Bible says happens. Um, and, and in that, just laying the gospel out. I, I feel like we're supposed to just throw out the net and throw out seed. The Bible says one, one souls, one waters, but who, who gives the increase? God does. Some people are so hindered from saying something because I don't see it happen right now. You just do it in faith. Throw a seed over here. We, we might get to heaven and you might get to heaven and be like, wow, that little conversation you had with the lady at the store when you was waiting in line. Look at this. She said she's here now. And that little conversation you had with this person over here, God came behind it with all kind of other stuff. And they're here now. There's some things we won't know till we get to heaven. When I think of the people that reached out to me when I wasn't saved, that that saw no indication that I responded. I didn't because I didn't respond favorably. 
Now, I don't, they don't get to see me now, right? They, we won't meet up until heaven probably. And, and they'll know that they were a part. They, were, they, they sold or they watered. Um, but God did eventually bring the increase. And so in the same way that Paul charges Timothy, I don't want us to read this and be like, well, that's for pastors. I want you to understand that he's charging Timothy because he's saying, look, Timothy, you have responsibility because you've been sown into. And so for every one of us that have been sown into as well, um, we have an obligation and a responsibility to minister truth to those around us. So he says, again, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul says, look, I I command you, I charge you in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm I'm, I'm putting in, I'm I'm not putting you on blast, but I'm saying, he's saying, look, this is who we're going to ultimately all give an account to. I charge you before him. And notice what he says, the Lord Jesus who will judge the living and the dead, right? I charge you before the one that's going to judge all of us. It ain't about me. I don't charge you before me. You don't have to perform for me, Timothy. I charge you before the Lord Jesus Christ because Paul knows right here he's getting ready to die. He won't be here. If, if, if Timothy does this to please Paul, then when Paul dies, Timothy's ministry is gone. He says, I charge you before the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. And that's important, too, that we do what we do with that kind of motivation. That I, God, I'm doing it as unto you. Anybody here knows the difference between serving as unto man and someone that's serving the Lord. What's it look like when you serve a man? Some of y'all do this at work. Uh, how many guys at work, when the boss is there, people work harder? They, everybody's, everybody, when they, the boss is going to be there tomorrow. Nobody's late. Nobody's late. Nobody's late today. Boss is going to be there. Um, you know, boss is walking the floor. Everybody's diligent. Nobody's, nobody's texting on their phone. Nobody, people are diligently working. And you're like, get out of here. You know, you know better. You know that that ain't how they normally do. Find out boss going to be on vacation. Everybody's like, yes, yes. Eight hour lunch, you know, whatever. That's how people do. That's how you know that they're they're You know, they're that's in the world. That's how we that's how people do. We don't ever want that to translate over into. I hope that's not how y'all do. I hope I hope, I hope y'all are faithful no matter what. And serving, doing your job is unto the Lord. Talks about that in Ephesians. But Paul says, Timothy, I want you to do it as unto him. He's always there. He's always worthy of your best. Isn't Jesus always worthy of your best service? Always. He he gave everything for me. He's always worthy of my best. And so if I do it as unto him, if I do it knowing that I'm going to give an account to him, he's watching. Then when it's discouraging and when you don't see all the things you want to see right now, you just keep doing it as unto him. I do it for the Lord. I I would do this for the Lord even if it's difficult. Um, There's some things I would do for the Lord that I would not do for other people. Um, there's some things I would do for my wife that I would not do for other people, things I would do for my kids that I know I wouldn't do for other people. Um, we all have our structure. God should be the top of that structure. There's nothing I wouldn't do for God. And when we get our heads wrapped around that, that we serve is unto him. That God, the reason that I'm willing to speak out or say something or put myself in a bad place, um, I'll do it for you. If that's what you want me to do, you want me to speak up, I'll speak up. I'll say something. I'll throw it out there, you know, and, and just let, I'll, I'll let my life be in your hands. And so, again, Paul tells Timothy, I charge you, therefore, before God, before the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. That reminder that there's a day coming where we're all going to meet the Lord. Um, that, that, that theme was in Paul's heart. I'm, I'm, there's a day coming. I'm going to meet God. I'm going to give an account. Uh, I may die and meet the Lord or I may meet him living in the rapture. That's what he's talking about. How is he going to judge the living and the dead? That, that there are going to be people that have died and they go to be with the Lord. There are going to be people that are living when the Lord comes to take up his church and they're caught up to be with the Lord in the rapture. And either way, Paul says, at that point, I'm going to be given an account before him. And so 
We want to live in a place, in a state of mind where I'm ready to meet the Lord. I look forward to meeting the Lord. And so you could live in such a way that you could welcome death. Not, not, not in a sadistic, weird, you know, out jumping in front of a truck kind of way. Um, but there, I've seen saints who just say, you know, I, I, if I die, I'm cool with that. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to meet the Lord. I'm not trying to die. But I welcome it, you know, whenever it comes. I know, I mean, for the believer, death, you study it enough. Death is the best thing that's ever going to happen to us or rapture. The day you meet the Lord going to be the best day of your life, the beginning of the best period of, of your life that you're going to be with the Lord. Paul struggled with that. He got a glimpse of the third heaven. Paul said, man, sometimes I'm here. I don't know if it's better to be with y'all or to go be with the Lord. He said, but I, I guess it's better for you guys if I stay down here and keep ministering. But he's like, man, I, I'm torn. I, I kind of want to go to heaven now, you know. And we have a lot to look forward to as believers. We got a lot to look forward to. We have a, I mean, just when I just, I read and look at the things that the Bible says about eternity and about heaven, and about being in God's presence. We got a lot to look forward to in this kingdom as believers. Um, as much as the non-believers should fear eternal judgment in hell, and there should be a terror and a horror and a fright over what that really means, the believers should have just a joyful hope and expectation of like, I'm going to be in his presence in fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither of it entered into the hearts of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And all the things that God said, man, I'm, I'm, it's going to be awesome. You're going to be with me. We're going to be with the lover of our soul forever. There'll never be another pain, another sorrow. You'll never cry. You'll never be hurt again. You will never pay another bill. There'll never be another bad day. There'll never be another, you know, nobody's depressed in heaven. Fullness of joy. That means your capacity for joy is just on full, no nonstop. Fullness of joy. I, I want some of that. <laughs> you know, right now we got the Holy Ghost. And if we could just live in the spirit, we can enjoy some of that right now. But in heaven, that'll be your state of being. Fullness of joy. Pleasures evermore. There gonna be people that miss heaven trying to have a little pleasure right now. And we can get to heaven and have pleasure forevermore from the one who made pleasure. Think about the things that bring, bring pleasure right now that God created. God says, I'm, I'm pleasure forevermore in a holy way for, for all eternity. So, so much to look forward to for the believer that um, we want to be living in that hope, living in that light and trying to bring others into that. I, I want you to have that hope. I want, other, I want other people to know that, you know what, I got something, I got a purpose here on earth, but when I'm done, heaven, glory. That's what drove Paul. That's how come Paul, Paul's in prison right here, y'all. Maybe we forget that. Paul's in the bottom of a damp, dark prison jail where he's getting ready to die for his faith. And what's on his mind to do? I got a little bit of time. Let me get this letter out to Timothy. I want Timothy. That's my, my, Timothy is my guy. I'm going to build him up. I want to make sure he's ready to go because I got to leave and he's going to take my place. And he's, his thought, his thoughts on about, he's not saying, guys, go send, go get the army. Go send some brothers to break me up out of here. Paul's like, it's, oh, I'm going I'm to die. It's okay. Never once did Paul write, man, I wish I could have got out. I wish I wasn't going to die. He just went, he was just, all right, well, since I'm in prison, I'm going to make good use of this time. It should challenge us that complain a lot. Some of us are prone to complain. Something bad happened. Somebody do something wrong to you. Somebody leave you hanging. Somebody do something you think they shouldn't have done, and we can be prone to complain. Just read Paul's letter. Read Philippians. And read the letters that Paul wrote from jail and just, man, when did he complain? There, if anybody has something to complain about, he did, didn't complain. I think of Job. If somebody could have complained against God, Job. Job was like, he worshiped. And so you got examples in the word of what to do in a bad space. Joseph, he could have complained, never complained. 
and I'd be going through some little trivial stuff in comparison, and I'd be complaining my mouth off. Um, and it's, it, should, it should convict me, you know. And so moving on, he says, preach the word, verse 2, preach the word, exclamation point. I'll come back to that. And he tells them to be ready in season and out of season. Paul tells Timothy, what you do, you preach the word, man. That word preach is a strong word. It's, it's a pro- proclaim, proclaim God's truth, preach the word. And he tells them to under the same thing. When do you preach the word? Is it on Sundays? Is it on, on the days that we gather as believers? No, he said, preach the word. When? In season and out of season. Y'all know that just pretty much means at all times be ready to preach the word. So for me, right, I study, I prepare, I, I prepare messages. I, I can't just be willing to do this here. Um, God says you need to preach the word in season and out of season. You got to be ready whenever. Um, you may have opportunities show up through questions over here. Or you may end up somewhere else where someone says, hey, what about this? And th- as the opportunities come up, God says, be ready. There's your, there's your opportunity. You guys know we moved recently. And so um, I'm meeting my neighbors and I'm, I'm meeting them. I don't want to jump right out and say, I'm a pastor, you know, because sometimes you do that and people start, they get all careful with you. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> sorry, my, my language, excuse my French. That's English, <laughs> it's a curse word, you know. So I don't, I don't lead out with, I'm a pastor. I just, I just meet people and I'm like, I'm, you know, Bill, my wife, my kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm meeting them, talking to them. And I'm looking for trying to figure out who's who and how to reach out. How can we talk to them? And so one of the neighbors, the lady is from um, the Caribbean somewhere. Her name is, uh, she said her name was Liz. And I said for like, Elizabeth. So I was going to go Elizabeth. I'm like, oh, that's in the Bible. She's like, no, Lystra. I'm like, oh, that's in the Bible. She's like, oh, you must be a Bible person. Most people don't know that one. And I'm like, yeah. You know, I said, we were just at church talking about Paul and Lystra and Iconium where they, uh, they persecuted him. And she was like, oh. And then boom, her and her husband out there. there, there was, it was like the Lord said, here we go. There's, there's your opportunity. You know, just, just in a name. And, you know, I don't beat them up real bad, but I'm just like, just throw it out there and just see what God does. It's opportunity. I believe that always we're to be just ready to do that. Sometimes I don't feel like it. I'm sure everybody here have times where their opportunity presents itself and you're like, I don't want to do this right now. Um, I've been with my kids and they're like, dad, oh, he's doing it. He's doing it again, you know. But we got to be ready in season, out of season. Those opportunities pop up and we can take them or leave them. Um, I believe if I leave them, then I'm showing God that I'm, I'm not really someone that he can trust to just be ready whenever. He'll send someone else. God, the work's not going to not get done because I don't do it. But God will use somebody else. I want to be used. I want to be the one. I want God to take advantage of my life. And so same for you guys. God wants to use every one of us. You might feel like, well, I don't know that much. The little bit that you know, somebody that don't know the Lord don't know that much. Tell them that much. How much do you need to know to be qualified to share? All you got to do is be saved. If you're saved, you at least know the gospel. That's all you need to know. But I can't answer all these questions. I tell you guys all the time, the guy that led me to the Lord didn't answer any of my questions. He was a brand new Christian. He couldn't answer. I had questions all day. What about this? What about that? And boom, boom, boom. I was just hitting him with all these questions. He's like, I don't know about that. He would just come back to this, but I don't want you to go to hell. He, I mean, I'm telling you, he put the fear of hell in me. He, that's, he, he had a one string guitar and it was, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> I just know you're going to go to hell. <laughs> I know Jesus don't want you to go to hell. And he just, and I'm telling you that that was it. But at a point, it, it, it literally, it scared the hell out of me. I said, I don't want to go to hell either. I remember being, I, I, at my apartment, 
he left all these books. Somebody gave me that little track. Some of you guys that bought it for me, the what to do to go to hell, and it says nothing. You know, John 8, 13, he who doesn't believe the Son of God is condemned already. And I remember I'm sitting in my apartment, having a beer, looking at this stuff that this guy left me, and it's like, I, it just hit me, like, you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell. And it, I wasn't afraid of a lot of things, but I began to be, I began to be afraid of hell. And then the corroboration of him telling me this and some random guy walking up to me at LAX handing me a track. And I'll never forget that track because it was like, that was like the nail in the coffin. I got that track and they said, what to do to go to hell? Nothing. Basically, it's the track that you're already going. And I'm like, God's trying to, God's trying to warn me. I, now I'm without excuse. I would say up until that point in my life, I had not really heard the gospel. Nobody had reached out to me. I didn't have no Christian family or people that were really walking. I had never been evangelized per se. At that point, I, for the first time in my life, I was surely without excuse. But at that point, it was like, man, God is, God is trying to warn you. And it's very clear that he's warning you that you're going to hell. And I was like, uncle, I went to church. I went to church with him that next Sunday. Uh, I think I was already saved because I, I, I went through the book he gave me and I prayed. I read it and had the prayer in the back. I'm like, I'm going to say the prayer. And <laughs> what else you got to do? You know, make sure I don't go to hell. You know, I was ready. So I look back on that and I think, wow, he didn't know. He didn't know the Bible that well. He didn't know how come the Bible was better than other religious books. He couldn't answer me. How come, you know, how could I believe Jesus for sure? And not, he, he couldn't answer any of that. All he knew was Jesus died on the cross. Forgive your sins so you don't go to hell. <laughs> and that, that did it. I'm saved. It worked. I'm here now. So don't let, don't let it be an excuse in your heart like, I don't know enough. I don't want to say something. Say something. Stir it up. The best thing you can do is get hit with a question you don't know because it only happens once. Every time you get hit with something you don't know, what you do, what you say is, I don't know. And you go back to what you do know. I'm okay with getting hit with something I don't know once. That's how you grow. I don't want to get hit with the same I don't know five times. That means I'm lazy. But if every time I get hit with something I don't know, it's like, wow, I never looked at it. I'm going to study that. And now I've grown through reaching out. So sometimes we use as an excuse of what we don't know not to do it and realize, don't realize that that's keeping us from growing. Because the more you step out there and you say something, preach the word, you'll find that, all right, as I preach it, it gets challenged. I said this thing, and they said, what about that? And you're like, well, that's a good question. That's a good, I don't know. I'm going to look that up. And you end up growing, and it makes you more able to do it as you keep growing. You'll be better equipped. Someone asked, sometimes the non-believers have the same questions and the same things that keep coming up. So Paul tells Timothy again, preach the word, proclaim the word of God, win in all seasons, be instant in season, out of season. There's no wrong time. Be ready all the time to do it. Then he tells them three things, convince, rebuke, and exhort. Part of that's what it's going to be when you're sharing the word, you're convincing people, rebuking people, and exhorting people. And he says to do it with all long suffering. So what's it mean to convince? Everybody know what that means. Anybody got kids here? Then you know what it is to convince. Mom, can I have one of those? No. Okay. And then my kids are sharp. They're like, okay, got to convince them. Uh, got to work a plan out. And they come back and they're like, just hit another angle. Uh, Dad, I had did all my work that you asked me to do. Uh, can I have it? Uh, and they either start working it out, you know, oh, you can't have that right now. And they try to kind of convince you again, try again. It's convincing. When it comes to the word of God and your people, you're talking to someone that they're not convinced. You can see it in their eyes. They're hearing you, but they're not convinced. It says convince them. Use the word of God to convince them. And the most powerful tool we have is the word of God to convince people the truth. It's supernatural. It's better than your human reasoning. It's better than your arguments of that make sense in your mind. It's the word of God. It's something supernatural when you just give them, read the verses to them. 
Yeah, but it says this there. Yeah, but what about that? But, but okay, it says this verse right here. Boom, and you're just giving them, I'm convince you through the word of God. I'm gonna share it with you. The book of 2 Timothy is our latest recorded words from Apostle Paul. It was written towards the end of his life. Although he could have slowed down, Paul never stopped serving God. He left a legacy of reaching towards the goal of heaven, and he encouraged Timothy, and by extension, you, to do the same. Are you continuing to seek ways to serve the Lord? Are you asking for his purpose to become yours and for his guidance to be all you listen to? Never let your faith plateau or even fade. God has plans for all of your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill will continue his teaching through the book of 2 Timothy next time you join us. But in the meantime, you can access more of these messages at CalvaryInglewood.org and on our Calvary Chapel Inglewood app. We'd love to hear from you too. Let us know what God has been doing in your life and how we can be praying for you. Give us a call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Would you also preferably consider supporting this ministry financially? All gifts are welcome and appreciated, no matter the size. And they help us continue to reach more and more people with the good news of the gospel message. You can find out more at CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. Thanks for praying about this. With that, our time with you is at an end for today. Thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word.